Greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church. Uh, we have been preaching through the Gospel of Matthew by dividing the book into several mini-sermon series. And today I'm starting a new series called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. And in this series, we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. Over one-third of Jesus' teachings in the four Gospels come in the form of parables. Using everyday language and experiences of His listeners, Jesus taught deep spiritual truths. The word parable literally means to throw alongside. A parable is a story thrown alongside an abstract idea in order to serve as an illustration. So the parables are commonly referred to as earthly stories that convey heavenly truths. And today I want to give a message that will serve as a foundation to the series. We will talk about why Jesus spoke in parables. And over the next few weeks we will take a look at the parables that we find in this chapter. And there is a common theme that binds all of the parables in Matthew chapter 13 and it is the kingdom of heaven. The reign and the rule of God that has already arrived here on earth because of Christ's coming. Each of these uh, parables give us insights into the nature of God's kingdom. Now, have you ever wondered why people react so differently to spiritual truths? The renowned scientist Albert Einstein is considered to be one of the greatest minds to have ever lived he was such a genius that his ideas and theories continue to influence us even decades after his life. Yet what is intriguing is his position on the existence of God. Now he seemed to be a bit cryptic when speaking on this issue. So people who believe in God quote him to show he's on their side. And people who don't believe in God also use Einstein to show that he is in their favor. However, in a personal letter written by Einstein that was auctioned a few years ago for over 170,000 pounds, Einstein expressed very clearly what he thought about God and the Bible. And this is what he wrote in that letter. The word God is for me nothing more than the expression and product of human weaknesses. The Bible is a collection of honorable but still primitive legends which are nevertheless pretty childish. No interpretation, no matter how subtle, can change this. So the man with such a high level of IQ, whose scientific theories continue to influence succeeding generations, did not come to faith in Christ as far as we know perceived the Bible to be childish, and didn't find the Christian beliefs to be convincing or attractive. You know, in total contrast, I was talking to a friend of mine whose mother is a sixth grade dropout, and she's one of the finest, most passionate, prayerful women you will meet. Ever since she became a Christian, her faith just skyrocketed. She's an ambassador of the gospel who boldly shares her faith with others. She's a prayer warrior who's on her knees. She doesn't have all the answers to life's complicated questions. No great, great deal of uh, theological knowledge or a towering intellect. 
but her faith is simple, and she radiates with the joy of the Lord. Now contrast these two people. An intellectual heavyweight who is world famous and a sixth grade dropout who is a nobody. A one wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and the other cannot stop talking about him. So have you ever wondered why people, some people are so receptive to the gospel while the others seem to be so resistant? Why some people have such spiritual passion while others don't seem to have any interest in the things of God? Now, I believe in many ways this is a mystery. I don't think we can fully understand this dilemma. But the scripture passage that we're going to look at today brings some level of clarity on this subject. Jesus revealed the secrets of the kingdom of heaven in the form of parables to all people. But the response was not all that positive. And many people were confused, perplexed, puzzled. Some just scratched their head and walked away. But the ones who were willing and ready embraced the teachings of the kingdom. Now, parables reveal truth to one group of people and conceal the truth from others. The question is, which category do you belong to? If you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word from Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. The disciples came to him, Jesus, and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we pray today for tender hearts, Every person at the sound of my voice will not harden their hearts, but will be sensitive and receptive to what you have to say to them. So, Lord, we pray that you will take this passage and apply it to our hearts, to our lives, that this word will come alive and grant us new understanding. So speak to us in the power of your Spirit. For we ask this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated now. As you read the four Gospels, you will notice 
one of the most repeated sayings of Jesus is this. If anyone has ears, let them hear. Jesus is emphasizing here the importance of paying attention. But it's one thing to hear something, and it's another to give your attention. Now, when kids are playing and parents call them to do some chores, they hear the voice. They know you're calling, but they're not paying attention because they've decided not to. Or, for instance, a wife wants to talk to her husband, and after she talks for a long time, she sees a blank stare, or maybe she hears loud snoring, and the guy has no idea what she's been talking all along. That's me, by the way. You know, it's one thing to hear and another to pay careful attention to the words. So in the same way, we see large crowds of people heard the teachings of Jesus. They all listened to what he had to say. They had no hearing defect. But the majority of them did not pay attention. They simply did not comprehend his words. So Jesus issues a warning. If you don't have spiritual eyes, you will not be able to see the kingdom of heaven. If you don't have spiritual ears, you will not be able to hear Jesus' teachings on the kingdom. So far in the Gospel of Matthew, we've seen the antagonistic attitude of the religious leaders and even the family of Jesus. And now Jesus turns to the large crowds and starts teaching them in the form of parables. In fact, Matthew 13 verse 34 says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. You see how extensively Jesus used parables when it comes to teaching the crowds. Well, the disciples of Jesus were listening to him address the crowds. And they find what Jesus is saying to be quite enigmatic. Jesus had used parables before, but now as he's focusing on the crowd, that seems to be his primary teaching tool. So that led to a question that arises in the minds of the disciples, and he, they approach Jesus with this question. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? So the disciples wanted to know what was Jesus' rationale behind using parables. Now, if you were to ask the same question to an average church attender, you will hear a response like this. Jesus is simplifying spiritual truths by using stories. Everyone loves stories, so Jesus is making his teaching more engaging, breaking down complex spiritual uh, realities so ordinary folks can understand it. Is that why Jesus spoke in parables? Just to spice up his teachings? That is certainly not the explanation Jesus himself gives. He doesn't say parables simplify spiritual truths. His response is actually a bit puzzling. Look at verses 11 to 13 in our text. He, Jesus, replied, 
Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them, them referring to the crowd. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Now, if you haven't figured it already, we have a difficult passage on our hands, and it's going to mess with your minds. Is Jesus saying here, he is speaking in parables to hide the truth? Are parables his way of concealing the truth from the crowds? Why would he do that? Now, as you read this response of Jesus, it appears on the outside like he's saying, the disciples have been elected to receive the truth and the rest don't get it because they're not part of the elect. Now, let me say something here that will help bring some clarity. The Bible does make it very clear that no one can come to faith in Christ apart from divine revelation. Now, look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So that is a description of a non-Christian. Just like a tone-deaf person cannot appreciate fine music, in the same way someone who is spiritually dead cannot comprehend the beauty of Christ. Apart from divine revelation... No one can come to faith in Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and reveal the truth to us. So that is the sovereignty of God in taking the initiative to give us spiritual understanding. And you will find this all through the Bible. But the Bible not only upholds the sovereignty of God, but it also teaches the responsibility of humans. We are responsible for our choices. You cannot get yourself off the hook. We are called to give an account for what we do with Jesus, either our decision to follow Him or reject Him. So the Bible clearly upholds this truth as well. So when our text here says, though seeing, they do not see, though hearing, they do not hear, it is using a phrase that frequently appears in the Old Testament. When you don't see or hear from a spiritual point of view, it is because of your inner rebellion, the callousness of our heart. You cannot blame God for it. So on the one hand, we have the sovereignty of God, and on the other hand, we have the responsibility of humans. And we need to uphold both these doctrines, they may seem like opposites or, or they're being contradictory, but it is a paradox. We have to hold them in tension. If we emphasize one about the other, our interpretation will inevitably be skewed. So when Jesus spoke spiritual truths to do with the kingdom of heaven in the form of parables, he desired that everyone will understand 
Everyone will pay attention and receive the invitation to be part of his kingdom. And one segment of the population hear the truth of the parables and respond positively. But the other segment merely hears the story and they don't get the spiritual meaning and just walk away. In this way, the parables serve to expose people's hearts, what's really on the inside and where they are spiritually. When the sun shines on wax, it melts. But it shines on clay, it hardens. It is the same sun, but there are two different responses because of two different surfaces. In the same way, the parables are God's truth, and whether we benefit from it or not depends on the condition of our heart. The parables are Jesus' way of testing our earnestness to seek the things of God. Are you really seeking? Are you really thirsting? Are you truly hungry? Do you sincerely long for the truth? If you do, Jesus says here, you will receive a greater revelation because Jesus will feed you. He will satisfy you. He will refresh your soul. He will take you deeper and deeper in your walk with Him. Your intimacy with God will grow. You will grasp profound spiritual truths. And the fruit of that will be seen in how you live your life. But if you are a person who is not interested in the things of God, if you have an unhealthy skepticism, a cynical attitude, a lack of passion to know God, if you're content with the way your life is, then the parables of Jesus will push you deeper into your unbelief. And you can't blame God for that. You have to blame yourself, for that is what you wanted, and God has given it to you. Now, I've talked with people who give excuses for not believing in Jesus. And you take the time to elaborately answer all of their questions. And still the excuses remain. Why? Because they're just a smokescreen. They're just hiding behind those excuses. They've already made up their mind. And all of your efforts to respond to them only pushes them deeper in their unbelief. Jesus here in that text quotes a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. So look at verses 14 and 15. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah... You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes. See the irony of that. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So Jesus is quoting this text from the book of Isaiah. 
Now, I need to give you a little bit of a context to this passage that records the famous call of Isaiah the prophet. It was the year King Uzziah had died. A prominent king in Judah was no more, and the national throne was empty. And Isaiah stepped into the temple of God, and he sees a glorious vision of God Almighty seated on his throne. The throne of Judah may be empty, but God was very much on his throne, exercising his rulership. And in the throne room of God, Isaiah sees the heavenly creatures singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And they worship the one who is seated on the throne. And that vision has a profound impact on Isaiah. You know, until that time, the first few chapters of Isaiah, he has been proclaiming woe to the nations, woe to you for all of your injustices, for your refusal to turn to God, for your immorality. And now after seeing this vision, Isaiah says, woe to me, I am undone. For he realizes his own sinfulness. And you need to know, Isaiah was one of the holiest men around in his time. But before the holiness of God, his knees just buckle down. And at that time, one of the angels touches his lips with a burning coal from the altar. And after Isaiah is cleansed, he hears the voice of God. Who shall I send and who will go for us? And in fear and trepidation, Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. And at that very moment, Isaiah is being commissioned into ministry with those very words Jesus uses here in our text. Now look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. This is really an ironical passage, and that's what Jesus is quoting here in our text in Matthew 13. And what is fascinating is this passage in Isaiah is quoted five times in the New Testament. Possibly the most quoted verse from the book of Isaiah. And we have popularized the here I am, send me verse. And we have made that the theme of many of our mission conferences. But the New Testament seems to make a big deal about this hidden and popular verse in Isaiah. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. As you can see, Isaiah is being commissioned for a strange mission. It was a hard calling. God is saying here to Isaiah... Make their heart calloused. The word there literally means make their heart fat. 
And the people you minister to will be spiritually deaf and spiritually blind. They will see nothing of the vision that you are presenting to them. Now, if this is not sitting well with you or making you uncomfortable, let me clarify. Isaiah is not stopping the people from believing. He's not teaching them to be rebellious. What is being described here is the effect of his teaching. Isaiah is earnestly pleading with people to repent from their ways. But the people don't respond because of the hardness of their hearts. When you're unable to see spiritually or hear spiritually, it is always because you have a heart problem. So Isaiah's call was not an easy one. He had to proclaim a hard message to a rebellious people, calling them to repent from their sinful ways. And God says in advance to Isaiah, no one will respond to you positively. They will not hear what you have to say to them. Isaiah, you will not have a mega church. There won't be multitudes of people responding to your altar calls. People won't email you and thank you for your sermons. You won't receive all those great accolades that preachers should get. In fact, your preaching will harden their hearts even more. Wow. What a great motivation for a preacher. And here's something all of us need to know. Every time you hear the word of God being preached, doesn't matter who the preacher is, if a person faithfully proclaims the message of God and you hear those words, you will leave either closer to God, or you would leave farther from Him. One thing you know for sure, you will not remain the same. That is the power of His Word. The truth being proclaimed will either draw you closer to God, or it will drive you farther away from Him. But you will never remain in the same spiritual state. If that is the case, I want to ask you, what kind of impact is God's Word having upon your life of late? Are you being drawn closer to Him because of hearing His Word? Every one of us need to ponder over this. Now, Isaiah's ministry is not all about doom and gloom. Oh, yes, he was frustrated at the lack of results, and there are times he protested about it. But as Isaiah faithfully proclaims God's word, God is at work behind the scenes. Yes, the nation was destroyed. They were like a tree cut down, and only the stump remained. But that was not the end. God will do something spectacular. Look at Isaiah 11 verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Therein are the words of hope. 
The tree has been chopped down to a stump. But out of this stump will come a new shoot that will turn into a branch. What it's saying here is, the nation of Israel will be destroyed because of the Babylonian exile. But out of the few people who are the faithful remnant, God will rebuild the nation of Israel. And through them, God will bring the Savior of the world. And the gospel message will be proclaimed not only to Israel, but to all the nations. So whoever is seeking, whoever is longing to know, whoever is hungry for God universally will experience his salvation. Isaiah unknowingly had a fruitful ministry, a successful ministry. It's just that he couldn't see it. But God who sees all things, would use Isaiah's efforts to bless all the nations of the world. And Jesus is taking this and drawing a parallel here as he applies the call of Isaiah to his own life. For the people of Jesus' time were no different than the people during Isaiah's time. And just like Isaiah faced opposition and rejection, in the same way Jesus also faces opposition and rejection. To the point Jesus will be nailed to a cross, stripped naked, spat upon and mocked by people. After three and a half years of laboring in ministry, only a handful of people will stick with Jesus. But it's not all doom and gloom. It is through this handful of people that God will begin that new work of rebuilding. These little group of people who have spiritual years to hear will be the catalyst that God would use. For through these faithful people, the church of Christ will be born, and God's kingdom will advance with power and glory and will influence the whole earth. The parables in this section in Matthew 13 will give us greater insights into the unstoppable kingdom that Jesus has already inaugurated. Now let's look at the final few verses of our text. And this is what Jesus specifically says to his disciples. Look at verses 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, how easy it is to take our salvation for granted and lose that sense of awe of what God has done in our life. Jesus is saying to his disciples, what you are experiencing now, 
all the prophets in the Old Testament and all the godly people longed to see, and they didn't. They were not privileged enough. Not Abraham, not Moses, not David, not Isaiah, not Jeremiah. But you get to experience the kingdom of heaven. And you get to play a role in the unfolding of God's salvation plan. And don't let that become common to you. Don't allow the familiarity of this truth to breed contempt and rob you of the sense of awe. Now let me ask you, when was the last time you looked at your life and you said, Lord, I don't deserve any of this, and yet you have been so, so good to me. You have given me way more than I deserve. When we realize that we have been given this tremendous privilege, that we can call God as our Father, the only rightful response is a heart of worship overflowing with gratitude for what God has done for you. For we know this from experience. Through the gospel of Christ, we have been extended a living relationship with God. Not because we were better off or morally superior than the rest of the world, but God in His grace took the initiative to pay the price for our sins and captivated us with His offer of love. And when you were bent on going your own sinful way, God was patient with you. When you walked in disobedience to His commands, He didn't cut you off, but He has adopted you into His own family. He has given you a brand new identity, promised you His presence, lavished you with His love, and you are safe and secure in His providential care. Now, you tell me, isn't this something worth celebrating? How much more grateful we need to be for this incredible privilege of knowing Jesus and walking with Him and being part of His kingdom.